0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Welcome into the odds and audibles podcast. I'm Matt Preem, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack on the show. And today we are diving more into big 10 expansion with the university of Oregon by bringing on our good friend, Brandon Marcillo of 24 seven sports, national college football reporter, Brandon. I'm sure you've been busy over the weekend uh, how are you doing how how has uh, your summer treated you
2: it's been it's been good this is um, when it comes to this realignment stuff it just seems like what should have happened a year ago last summer seemed to all be compounded to about a 48 hour period this
1: year yep
3: that, that kind of segues perfectly into to my first question, like the last 48 hours of that you know, overall realignment that Thursday to Friday to Saturday. Um, just, can you kind of break down what happened? You were on top of it so well during the entire process, just the like the 48 hours where there was a point where maybe Oregon and Washington were staying in the Pac-12 to then an hour later. They were basically signing up for the Big Ten and just, just kind of break us down what happened there
2: you know to me going back to that you know there's like conflicting information out there about oregon and washington and win and and all that but i think in the end it was it's like a chicken and egg conversation because i think arizona arizona state i think we're going to decide to leave no matter what and if Mm -hmm. that were to happen then beforehand or whatever I think Oregon and Washington would have had no choice. I think Oregon and Washington really had no choice to begin with. But um, anyway, you'll go back to um, let me get my days right. All right. So Tuesday, we're all hearing that Arizona is leaving. It looks like that's going to happen. Then Wednesday, it becomes all right. Is Arizona state going to join them? And we had been reporting for a couple of weeks that, Arizona, Arizona state weren't necessarily tied to the hip, but the board of regents, which those two schools share, they have the same governing body. They had discussed, Hey, we want to keep the two schools together. They've been saying that for the better part of a year behind closed doors. So they were prepared for this, but if Arizona really wanted to leave, which is what they were wanting to do, they were not, the board of regents was not going to stand in their way. Arizona state was not going to stand in their way. So Wednesday morning, uh, the conversations going on at Arizona State were, you know, this Apple deal is not too bad. We'll be OK. We, I, we feel good about it. And this primarily coming from the president's office there, Michael Crow. And then within it may have been even shorter than this, but from my understanding from talking to people as this was transpiring within a four hour period, that tone had completely changed. And they had decided, OK, we need to have a board meeting with our colleagues at Arizona and we need to have both our ads there, our presidents there, and all sit down and discuss how we need to move forward, and what does this look like if we were both to go, and how do we handle this? Um, and so by Wednesday at one or two o'clock local time there, they were talking about this putting this board meeting together, and sure enough, and by law they're required to let everybody know within 24 hours that we are having a board meeting, and right before six o'clock local time they. They say we're having a board meeting tomorrow at six o'clock. And at that point, the writing was on the wall that Arizona, Arizona State were going to leave together. And so I think that's when everything really kind of sped up for my understanding from that, that Oregon and Washington were very much in, in discussions with the Big Ten at this point. I was shocked, honestly, and I never reported any of this, but I was shocked, honestly, everybody's got different sources, right? And mm-hmm. the thing is like like not to be an ombudsman here because I'm by no means anybody to judge anything. I'm not, I'm not judging sources by any stretch of imagination, but every source, including mine, everywhere, they have their own motivations, their own viewpoint on the world, their own views on what's going on. Some people are too close to the sun, so to speak. Some people are too close to the program that they are involved with, the conference, whatever. But when that stuff started leaking, that all of a sudden, oh, wait, Oregon and Washington, it seems like everybody's on board now. Everybody's going to sign. Arizona and Arizona State were not on board going into that meeting. So I did not understand where that storyline came from. And as others were reporting that, I steer clear of it because I was not hearing anything like that for my sources. And it had me freaking out personally as a reporter. Cause I'm going, is someone BS in me? Am I being BS yeah. here? Am I being <laughs> strung along? Does someone get too caught up in this drama and just wanted to make some drama? But anyway, it all, I say worked out, but it all ended up happening the way <laughs> I think a lot of us expected it to happen. And as I said, it, it seemed like this was all supposed to happen a year ago, but uh, credit or discredit, if you want, to the commissioner to pack 12 for stringing everybody along during these quote unquote negotiations to a point where he literally just said, okay, finally in the 11th hour, I got to show you what we've got. And he legit has like nothing. I, it's, yeah. it's incredible that they could not get a deal better than $23 million on average per team per year with every single football game on streaming. Mm-hmm. That's insane mm-hmm. in this climate. Even with it struggling right now, that's insane.
0: Brandon, I, you, you just kind of outlined the thing I wanted to talk about a little bit. But a year ago, as you said, a lot of this wheels are put into motion. And now we're kind of seeing it all come to a head. Was, like, was there ever a chance in your mind that the Pac-12 could survive after USC and you say left last year? And maybe was there a turning point for you or whatever it, it felt like? There's the inflection point where it's, it's gone. It's not coming back.
2: I thought, to be quite honest, George did a very good job there early on And going, okay, we're going to market, we're we're opening up this negotiation window, we got to get this done, we got to try and jump ahead of everybody. We need to jump ahead of the Big 12. And then to me, the inflection point was when the Big 12 secured their deal in late October last year, and the Pac-12 was sitting around still not working on theirs. Because the word in the industry at that time is that both conferences, they were in the very same neighborhood of what networks and everybody we're offering or at least talking about. And when the big 12 comes up and snatches that away from you, you automatically lessen yourself. If you're in the same neighborhood as another conference and then someone already takes them up, you're not going to get that much money. You're not going to get as much money as them. So you got to start being creative. And the problem is for the PAC 12, I don't know this for a fact, but it sounds like they got way too creative and just decided let's just lean into streaming and this will be something that's going to blow up in the next five years or so. And the problem is there's no way to predict that. And secondly, I think a lot of people in Hollywood and in the entertainment business have been bamboozled over the last five to six years by Netflix. And by that, I mean that Netflix had this plan of, Hey, we're going to sell this as give us 15 bucks a month, cut the cord. We'll give you all the entertainment you ever need. Problem is it doesn't have live sports and it doesn't have this other stuff. So, You know, for 70%, whatever, I'm just throwing a number out there, for a certain percentage, the vast majority of people don't watch live sports. They just don't. But they want to be entertained. They want movies. They want TV shows. So, yeah, that kind of makes sense. All right, I'll spend 15 bucks on Netflix. The problem is is that that does not fit into the wheelhouse of everybody. It's not a one-size-fits-all. That's not Netflix. Cable is still that. Linear television is still that because they throw all that stuff together, and you have to pay for it all, even the stuff you don't want to. It's not a la carte. And Netflix's model wasn't necessarily that. So then you had all these conglomerates, Warner Brothers, CBS, everybody getting together going, how do we compete against streaming right now? Well, let's go buy up a bunch of libraries, some other companies, some other cable providers, and start packaging all that together and launch our own streaming services with our own original and exclusive content. The problem is you spend a lot of money in doing that. Then you start to saturate the market then the prices start going up and people can't afford it or they're going what am i doing spending money on three or four streaming networks when that's going to combine to be equal to what my cable bill is and i'm not getting i'm not getting more than what i got my cable bill um and so then you had streamers starting to go okay we need to get into live events we need to start doing sports the problem with that is is that everyone outside of ESPN plus if you look at Apple and others, there some of them had to start doing another surcharge on top of that. So, you know, you had like, for example, Apple Plus, you didn't have to have Apple Plus to have MLS stuff, but you had to go pay for a different package. It was like paying for NFL Sunday, Sunday ticket and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So anyway, what I'm saying is, is that Netflix started all this without actually really starting it everybody's reaction to it was completely wrong. And that's why you're seeing these people hemorrhage money because Netflix was long hemorrhaging money and they were just kind of throwing out all these flares up in the sky, hoping everybody would chase them. And that's exactly what these networks did. And the fact that the PAC 12 thought, Hey, let's get into streaming. (laughs) That was something like three years ago, four years ago. Mm You would be like, that's an interesting prospect. This just reeks of, like doubling down on the idea of creating a pac-12 network that you own yourself and let's go get the most ex- expensive office space we can in san francisco let's just throw all this money into something we don't know is going to work that they like it just sounded like this all over again but in a different avenue
3: brandon thanks thanks again for coming on the pod and, and great job during this whole conference realignment you were right on top of there. You're one of the best reporters to follow during it i'm going to do some podcast freestyling here but I don't, we have, as a podcast, we haven't gone into the, the Apple TV, the details there for this contract. Just, I, I mean, there's no way that was going to work. Right. Even, even at the highest level of a subscription subscriber base, like this, that wasn't going to work. Right.
2: I just don't see how, I mean, maybe this is something later. I, I don't see how it works in five or 10 years. Cause not everything's going to be streaming even five or 10 years. I, I do think that again, this is going to take someone that owns a vast library or vast media rights to just go, we're you're we're going to take it this way and you all have to follow us because that's just the way you're going to get content nowadays. And that's ESPN and the idea of them going mm-hmm. direct to consumer, which is just doing their ESPN Plus thing and that's it. ESPN Network's on there. If you want live sports, you had to subscribe to it and you get the app. Maybe then that's when it starts figuring out, it starts going that way. And maybe the Pac-12 Network could have ended up being that in three or four or five years. The, the, the problem is, is that the PAC 12 deal by reports is five years, right? They could have mm-hmm. gotten out of it within two, which obviously means Apple probably could have gotten out of it as well. So where does that leave the PAC 12 overall again? And when you're talking about leaning into subscriber numbers, as we've seen, that's been difficult for the PAC 12 to even deal with, with the PAC 12 network itself. And for that matter, I think any conference outside of maybe the Big Ten or maybe the SEC as well would struggle with being able to properly supplement these other programs based off the s- subscriber numbers. Um, right. It's it, and also what what kind what kind of price are we assigning to that? Because MLS is not astronomically expensive. I think like they do actually do a season package, and then you want a year long package. It's like sixty bucks or something like that, which. You know, it doesn't sound too bad, but if you're sitting there just as an average college football fan, you're going, I'm bored at 9 30 at night because there's no good games on, but I know there's Pac 12 after dark. And you go, but I only probably only watch three games a year. I'm not paying 60 bucks for that. I'll just yep. go to bed. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, that's just, uh, I would be, I would love to have been able to sit in just one meeting of like between Apple and Pat the Pac 12 when they're selling, for that matter, each other on all this cause none of it makes much sense.
1: The demise of the PAC 12 who's to blame. Some people say it's when USC and UCLA left. Others say it's Colorado putting the knife in when they left a couple weeks ago. Now it's Oregon and Washington. Is it all of them? Is it Gary Scott? Is it Clive cough? Like, who, who are we? The, how did we get here? Like, who do we put the blame on for this failure of a conference for something that five years ago, three years ago, I don't think anyone ever thought like the PAC 12 was no. gone. It's, it's not going to be here anymore. And now, you know, the four that are remaining are trying to save it, but it's not going to be what we knew of the PAC 12 PAC 10.
2: It's what sucks. I mean, the whole thing sucks. Yes. But like, it just seems like every moment that there was a point where you had to make a big decision as a conference, whatever, they made the wrong decision or just a confounding one. And mm-hmm. you scratch your head, uh, you know, little things to big things we can go back to the Pac-12 network and deciding to launch that thing, and the direct TV stuff, and then going to large office space that you don't really need and hiring all these people. <sighs> Going through a like a regional, trying to make it more of a regional network by school. Uh, and then you know, go back to 2020 when we're dealing with the pandemic and the Pac 12 is following the Big 10's lead. And it seems like everybody's just going, Well, Pac 12 is going to do whatever they do. And it was, well, yeah, let's go ahead and cancel the football season. Meanwhile, you had others going, eh, We're probably still going to play something. Um, it's, uh, but if you really want to say when the death nail was starting to be hammered in <clears throat> for the Pac-12, it's when the SEC got OU in Texas right off from everybody's nose and no one had any idea about it because then that sparked Kevin Warren, the Big Ten, to go, hey, we need to swing our bat around a little bit. And Kevin Warren, as he's made very clear you know, right now, had no desire to stay in college sports. And so he was just looking to build up his resume, show I can get business deals done, make more money for a conference. And then he was going go back to the NFL. And um, in the Big Ten, he did that. He went and got USC and UCLA, which um, just does not fit the Big Ten footprint at all. But he got it done. He hammered that through. And that was just the second swing of the hammer on that nail to me. Um, but it, I think it really – the end day started when the SEC – made that huge move because that was no one was expecting that that wasn't really leaking all that much. I think like a couple weeks, few weeks after that actually happened, we started hearing rumors of the SEC might think about expanding here in the next few years and looking at teams. And then all of a sudden it's, Oh yeah. The reason why that's leaking is because they've been talking to OU in Texas for the better part of the last two years about this since the pandemic was going on. So, um, But the way Pac-12 handled big, big moments, leadership-wise, Larry Scott, George. But we we like to point the finger at the commissioners, but they answer to the presidents and chancellors. They're the ones who set the tone. They're the ones who set the atmosphere, the rules, so to speak, and here's what we want you to do. So, All right, if we want to point the finger at someone... And the way they back 12 responded to all this going on around them, it's the president's chancellor's fault. And they're the same ones who broke this thing apart and decided to leave co- the conference. So yeah. point it to them.
0: Let's talk about what the Big Ten can be now 18 schools, some really big brands, both coasts. What excites you most about this conference? Just, I guess, just football on Saturdays. Um, oh, I'm interested to see what the
2: scheduling's like. Um, I, I'm interested to see if they do divisions again. Uh, is it a pod system? Obviously potentially, you know, I do. I'm excited to see more games like Oregon, Ohio state. Like we got to see a couple of years ago. Uh, that was a gigantic game that, uh, you know, I think surprised a lot of us with just how much Oregon pushed Ohio state around. Um, you know, and even to that point, seeing, you know, what like Washington, Iowa, like if Washington, Iowa played this year, that would be one of the bigger games of the year. And so interesting because you'd be seeing such contrasting styles, but both programs capable, I think, of winning 10, 11 games this year. Um, so you're going to see things like that, that we obviously have not been accustomed to seeing. Um that'll be that'll be fascinating to watch I also think that this kind of sends a like a warning sign up to programs like Penn State which seemingly are just stuck in third like third gear that's like they can't get beyond that in the big ten for whatever reason and it seems like every two or three years I'm thinking all right this is the year they make the playoff this is the year they break through and they haven't been able to do it and if they don't do it this year because they finally got their quarterback and drew and they got a two great running backs, great defensive line. And if they can't do it this year, I mean, and you add two, I would say top 20 type programs yearly into the conference. Uh, I mean, I mean, good luck then at that point. But again, we're getting an expanded playoff. And who knows what the uh, new guidelines will actually be for that as far as automatic qualifiers and at-large bursts and stuff now that the uh, Pac-12 certainly looks like it's going to be no more.
1: Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Brandon Marcello of 24-7 Sports. All right, welcome back to the show. Um, Brandon, Big Ten now has 18 teams in its league. So four of those are out west. And the next question has always been, okay, what's next for the Big Ten? Um, when it comes to expansion, do they go to 20? Do they continue to expand out west? Because like you said, it just doesn't look right now like it fits because there's just four teams out here. Um, why should it? include Cal and Stanford. We know as of today, Stanford is being linked to the ACC. So they're out there doing some stuff. Um, And I guess, why wouldn't it be West coast schools? And and there's Notre Dame. That's the big whale that's out there. They fit geographically, culturally more than the Cal and Stanford schools do. I guess just what's next for the big 10. Do they stay in Pat? Do Do they look to grow out West? Do they just pick the best, Two teams they can. What, what, what do you think happens next? I mean, if they're all about
2: the, I mean, going to 18 teams, I think, is a huge step already because, and I did a story on this just a few weeks ago, where Jim Delaney, the longtime Big Ten commissioner, who still has a lot of power there, by the way, and Commissioner George, San, uh, George Greg Sankey in the SEC, they both agree with this idea that if you expand beyond 16 teams, you cease to be a conference. And there's a lot of reasons for it, Um, whether it's matchups, frequency of matchups, decision making, voting, the politics, that start getting involved with everything. And then also you just there's just it's almost impossible to have 20 or 18 schools that have similar missions. That's why we always talk about AAU with the Big Ten and all that similar academic missions, similar type of type of leadership. Um, I, I do it, but I do think that if you're going to go to 18, you might as well go to 20 and then for football mm-hmm. shift to a 10 game conference schedule. I think it, cause if don't halfway it, go to 20, go to a 10 game league schedule, go ahead and invite Cal and Stanford. If they'll, if they'll take it at, at uh, you know, half shares or whatever they're doing right now. Will that happen? I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure the Big Ten is all on the same page with that. I also believe that Stanford could very much be a viable program if it goes independent. It's obviously not going to be Notre Dame, but they've got all the freaking money in the world to make that work. And then if they want to reevaluate things and see if they want to join a conference down the road or just remain independent. I, I think the idea that being independent is a huge risk. Isn't necessarily the case anymore. Um, And listen, who's to say if Stanford went independent, they couldn't go pick up some pretty good deal with Apple or someone else that would just, you know, we're only going to give you, you know, this certain amount of games every year, but you know, it's a nice little thing and we'll get, you know, $20 million out of it. Maybe we got a lot of money already. We can do our own thing, call our own shots. We don't have to worry about aligning with everybody with the same academic mission and athletics mission. We'll do our own thing. Stanford's a little bit different. Same with Cal. Cal obviously is not one that's going to be wanting to spend a lot of money or use any money. But Cal could very well go independent, too. But if we look at Stanford and Cal, if the Big Ten's not going to take them, I think the AAC needs to look at them. Uh, About as as potential members, they kind of align more with those schools than say like the Mountain West, in my opinion, when it comes to Mm -hmm. academics uh, and mission. And so to me, those are the three potential possibilities here. Big 10 goes just go screw it. Let's go 20 and let's do a 10 game league schedule in football, Uh, AAC or or independence.
3: I've got a bit of a two-part here for you. First is, I guess, did you do you expect this realignment to go as fast as it did? And you can kind of pick whatever point you want to start at, and then go from there. But and then the second part is just the inverse of Matt's question: just what does what does the Pac-12 do now? Obviously, if Stanford and Cal, just where do they go with Washington State, Oregon State? Do they try to merge with the Mountain West, or I don't know, go somewhere else?
2: Well, you know, I, as I said, I think this is something that. Should have happened probably a year ago, but the mm-hmm. timeline got stretched because of the Pac-12 said we're going entering contract negotiations. We're going to have a good deal, and they kept kicking the can down the road, saying we're going to be fine, we're going to be fine, we're going to be fine. And then finally, they had to show numbers and show their work on their homework, and uh, it wasn't good. Uh, and I'm I, I mean, but but seriously, if we sat back a year ago, this is exactly what we thought was going to happen. The four corner schools are going to go to the Big yeah. Twelve, and Oregon, Washington <laughs> go to the Big Ten. Exactly what happened. Um, I think the future, it, It's th- this is what sucks. It's like, and this is a money thing too. Cal and Stanford are in a better spot than Oregon State and Washington State as far as prospects. And what should the Pac-12 do? We talk about them adding teams. I mean, I'm not a businessman, but how, how the hell does that make sense? Like the Mountain West schools, as we saw with San Diego State, they'd have to pay a $34 million buyout to leave to right. go to PAC 12. Right. So then you would have to do a merger of some sort. And at that point, when not the mountain West have the power there, just simply we by think. saying, we've got the logistics of it. We got, we have all the teams we need to vote you in. Um, Why? What's the power structure there? Like we have the power. So. And would Cal and Stanford even really be interested? And for that matter, would the Mountain West actually be interested in Cal Stanford? I think this becomes a question of what's going to happen with Oregon State and Washington State, because I think both of them will end up going to the same place or staying in the same place, whatever that looks like. And then Cal Stanford to potentially just go do their own thing. Um, but this, the schools I really worry about are Oregon State and Washington State, because – they don't have many options, guys. I, th- I think it's Mountain mm-hmm. West, and that's it to me. I mean, Big 12 has no interest in them. Um, yeah, so I think it's Mountain West or Bust for them. It's, it sucks. I'm actually writing a story today just so happened uh, on Oregon State and how they've got the best freaking offensive line in the Pac-12 and how that gives them a chance to win 10 or 11 games this year. I mean, they're one of five teams in the Pac-12 in the top 25 preseason coaches poll this year. And four of them are leaving the conference. I mean, <laughs> it's just it's just so strange. And it it sucks for the sport. It sucks for all sports, but especially sucks for college football. It's going to really hurt the West
1: Coast. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think all, all of us would agree that we would want the leagues to be as they were as we've grown up. Um, But when you're presented the deals that Oregon was presented, they had to do what was best, their best interest, you know, to survive. Um, And it's going to come at a very costly point, which goes into, I guess, my last question is, we're seeing bigger brands consolidate into fewer conferences. At what point do we see someone like Ohio State or an Alabama go, hey, like Vanderbilt. No offense, but what do you bring into the table? You're Oregon State of the SEC, or you you throw out Rutgers in the Big Ten. Um, there are schools that they're in the, the SEC or they're in the Big Ten because they've been there from the beginning, just like what Oregon State and Washington State were in the Pac-12. When do we start seeing some of these bigger brands now in the two bigger conferences go, hey, like we, we shouldn't be equal to these schools or they shouldn't be flat out in our league. Like we saw with that report by Brett McMurphy today, where there was a PAC 12 president that called a big 12 president and said, Hey, can you take all of us except for Oregon state and Washington state? Because they don't bring anything to the table from a market standpoint. As you said, multiple times TV markets are driving this whole thing,
2: TV markets and rivalries. Um, But I think we're starting to not starting. We've been seeing, the parallels to this happening, what you the, and I'm exactly with you. I think the next big thing we see when contracts start expiring again in, uh, 2030, 2032 in that range is going to be, we make a lot of money for this conference. I don't think we're getting our fair share. And we're seeing that already through this own realignment because Oregon's not partnering with Oregon state over the last year, trying to get the big 10, they're partnering with Washington. Arizona and Arizona state partner. And that just seems like, oh, that's a good thing to do because they're in state. But it's because that's what made most business sense for both of them. It was all business. It's not necessarily, oh, let's protect our brothers. Um, And look at the ACC right now. Florida State and Clemson are demanding and wanting more money or else. Their threats are primarily empty seemingly right now because their grant of rights goes through 2036 and everybody says it's ironclad. We'll see. But Florida State's already throwing around. We want more money than anybody else in this conference, including Clemson. And if you don't think we're serious about busting this grant of rights, which I've had people in the industry tell me could end up costing a school half a billion dollars if they were to do it right now instead of the 120 million that's actually being reported. They're going out and going into private equity trying to skit like an investor of some sort so they can borrow against themselves in the future so they can get the money to be able to exit the acc sooner rather than later. And you don't think, you know, yeah, you know, I had someone telling this like the 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 tag that was always put on Texas is that they're always went into every meeting in the Big 12 and the past a southwest conference and they were like we run this thing we get what we want right like how many years are they going to be in the sec they're going to be sitting there going all right we've seen the tv ratings the last two or three years alabama and us are the ones that draw you know the most eyes and the tv deal is what pays our pays us so why aren't we getting more money and how long does it take before leaders and boosters and stuff start filtering that up to the a president and AD there, and they end up entering a meeting room one day or sec spring meetings go, we had this idea. We get 15% more than everybody else at this table. And then all of a sudden you have cracked the door open to the possibility of them going, well, no one's agreeing to an uneven revenue distribution. Our contract expires in 2032 or whatever. we don't need Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's not picking up their, uh, their weight. So um, Vanderbilt, your TV ratings need to go up in the next two years or much like a television program. We're going to cancel you. We're not giving you a renewal for the next season. And they, they throw them out. I do think I I'm with you, man. I, I'm with you. I think that's the next thing to watch. And also these programs and maybe even conferences getting involved with, with, private equity and doing that type of stuff to raise money. Um, it's um, it's going to be fascinating. Not going to be great, but it's going to be fascinating to watch transpire. Because also at some point in the near future, guys, student athletes are probably going to end up being employees of these schools and conferences. Sure. And for years, the the grift has been, well, we make all this money, but we're spending it all on the athletes. No, you're spending it all so you don't have anything to give to the athletes so that you're not taking the court and going, well, you're saving all this money for yourselves. No, we just spend it all because we have to spend it all. We have to do it. I mean, it's operational budget. Yeah. No, they've been spending it. So at the end of the year, they got $0 on that bank balance and could go, see, there's nothing left for the for the players, even if we wanted to do it. That that day of reckoning's coming too. Um, so get ready. Sounds like really fun stuff. Looking forward to it. <laughs> just to say that sarcastically, I know you're right. It it's sucks, just, man. It's, it Ed, does. Kickoff. Please give me kickoff. Just, like, give me the season. <laughs> let's get to the season.
0: Let's let's talk about kind of, I, again, I kind of want to go back to what I talked about earlier, which was just kind of what this Big Ten will look like. And Oregon, Washington, USC, UCLA, all proud fan bases, all these schools have been successful in the recent history. Um, obviously, a lot of them have had. Really, really successful seasons decades ago, or or more recently. So, so what do you think of these brands entering the Big Ten? How do they stack up in your mind? I know we're looking at twenty-four, so there's a little bit of time here. But when, w- where did, where would you place them? I guess if you were hypothetically to do something like that, mm. you
2: know, da, da, I want to take offense to this because <laughs> Big Ten is such a big conference now, and they it's this I think the strongest conference now. I would say Oregon and Washington are probably they are upper half, but I don't know if they're fourth or fifth in the conference. I don't know um, as far as brand power and sure consistency. I do think that we're you know overall in the Big Ten we're about to see some programs go up and down, and from that standpoint, I mean like Iowa, I think is about to like the brakes are about to fall off that thing um because I, I they win nine or ten games in spite of themselves and the kirk ferentz era is going to be nearing an end if not going to come to an end they've got they just changed over pretty much the entire administration they're here in the last couple of months i think those days are about to end there at iowa so then that opens things up potentially for someone else i think purdue is going to struggle a little bit despite i mean listen purdue's purdue but they had been winning eight games a year. But that opens things up. Indiana's gone back on hard times. You know, <clears throat> the top half of the conference is very difficult. And I think that right now, Oregon and Washington are in that space like Wisconsin has been in and is still fighting to be in as that, like, fourth team or fifth team. Because um, I think no matter what, Ohio State and Michigan, they're always going to be top dogs. They yep. got the money. They have the tradition there. They have the resources. They have the recruiting bed. But Oregon, Washington very well could be those fourth and fifth. And then also, you know, you know, how does the recruiting in the West Coast footprint evolve? Is it going to evolve at all? Because I thought it would with USC going to the Big Ten alone with UCLA. But now that Oregon's joining them, their big biggest threat, I think, in LA and the South, South, <laughs> South California. I don't know if that changes much, all that much. It's almost like um, if you want like a case study and something, go back and look at what happened with recruiting for Texas and Texas A&M when Texas A&M jumped to the SEC. Hmm. The numbers, I wish I could find this graph, guys. It's crazy. They literally almost flip-flopped. It went from Texas getting the most, like 70% of the blue-chip prospects in the state of Texas, and it flipped within a four-year period of A&M joining the SEC inside the state of Texas blue chip prospects. I don't think I would have ever expected that, but it was because A&M joined the SEC and they had early success in the SEC. And that's going to be critical too, guys. Which of these four programs joining the Big Ten from out West has the early success in those first two or three years? Because Texas A&M was able to do that in the SEC and it helped them recruiting Um Who's that school? I think USC is best built for that in this transfer portal era right now, but Oregon's right up there too. And I think Oregon's kind of, as you guys know, they're taking that that path of much like Bama and Georgia, which Dan Lanning obviously has been a part of, of get high school talent, talent, big guys in the trenches, and we develop them and keep them on campus so that we have something that's more sustainable and consistent rather than have to lead on the portal like you know USC's having to do
1: right now. I've got one on the fly question real quick. I, I mentioned this to you in Vegas when we were both there for the Pac 12 Media Day. The last one by the way, I don't know if that's ever hit us yet. Like <laughs> Yeah. It has. Um okay. I said everything's gonna transfer to Vegas. All the championships, all the bowl stuff. Um, the Big Ten plays their championship games feels like every year or every other year at least in indianapolis um the big 10 tournament for basketball regularly there and then like rotates with another spot every other year or something like that do you see them keeping that in the you know indianapolis center focused regionally there or do they head west where it's warm and they go to vegas for conference championship tournaments for big 10 championship game football or is that too big of a of a of a gap in between most of the conference? Well, This was
2: three weeks ago, and the world's changed us in three weeks. <laughs> but three weeks ago, the 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 word when I was at Big Ten Media Days is this, that they have no interest in moving it, uh, the football championship from Indianapolis. That's their spot. Yeah. That's their home. They like to play in Lucas Oil inside there. It's an indoor facility. The downtown there is great. Plenty of hotel yeah. rooms. Easy walking distance among everything so i don't think they'll change anything and uh but again like at oregon washington in four or five years and you see usc and ucla sitting and going can you guys move that thing out here west a little bit just for a couple years maybe you know maybe but i don't i I don't think there's any discussion about
1: that moving right now good deal. well brandon thank you for your time thank you for the opportunity to Further this discussion on Oregon heading to the Big Ten. I look forward to the 2023 football season, the last season of Pac-12 football, the year of the quarterback. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of good stories to to be seen, to be played out on the field, and uh, hopefully we can talk with you down the road.
2: The best season might be the is also the last season. It, it's uh, it's uh, just strange, just strange, guys. <laughs> Thanks, Brandon.